Okay, hello. Welcome to episode 254 of Sack King's Therapy. Uh, I am coming to you after the Kings beat the Rockets 135 to 115. Um, th in this game, it well, first of all, it's the first of the Rockets games. First of two Rockets games. Uh, they'll face them again on Friday. And in this game, they kind of just took care of business. Um, they basically just... How would I, like, where would I start? Well, let, let's start here. Game was very, very close up until, like, the middle of the fourth quarter. Um, the game was blown open at um, basically kind of the midway point of the fourth, as I mentioned, uh, when Trey Lyles decided to just go off. Now, of course, I could just talk about how he scored and, and stuff like that and how he was able to, you know, just make stuff happen, but you know break it all down he made stuff happen he got rebounds he was in the right spot he was aggressive using his legendary pump fake to get into the lane and you know just create points one way or another he was just overall just really really good and he is actually the reason why the kings won this game don't be fooled too much by the, the by the end uh result of a 20 point blowout it was a very close game and yeah let's kind of just Let's just kind of start there. Um, should, I, should I talk about Trey Lyles first? Well, like, Trey Lyles, like, I talk about him just turning the game. He had 15 points and six rebounds just in the fourth. Like, he was just so good. You know, again, didn't try to do too much. Just played his role. You know, didn't, you know, just, you know, went out there and rebounded. Went out there and just made stuff happen. And yeah, the Kings have him to thank for essentially for saving them in this game because boy, before that it was it was dicey. And yeah, let's talk about that. So the Kings actually came out pretty strong. They they led by four at the end of the first. It looked like it was actually kind of inching towards a blowout. But then the Kings kind of do what they do, and you know, they kind of let the other team get a little comfortable. The other team starts get the other team starts getting their threes to fall which was kind of what happened in the first qu first quarter first quarter they missed a lot of threes and granted they were a lot of them were awful shots but they were missing a lot of just kind of those pull up jack threes those you know they just jacked a bunch of threes and but then in the second quarter especially towards the end of the second quarter they they actually started making them and that was when the game got close and they kind of carried that momentum. The Kings got a little bit of separation multiple times, but they would basically just, they would, letting the Rockets just get comfortable was just a mistake. And like, they started, you know, they started just, you know, feeling a bit more emboldened. They started taking, they started getting to the rim more, I've noticed in the second half. And, you know, they got easy shots and the Kings just were not like, they just weren't on a string. Like either they would give up a layup, a foul, or they would kick it out for an open three. And, you know, that's how the game got close. But in the fourth, they finally locked in. And again, with like Trey Lyles being able to score with like De'Aaron Fox, like he put it, he put in his hard hat too. Like him going to work in the fourth, like they were able to put pressure on the on the uh, Rockets, and they kind of just they started just you know turning it over, doing some really stupid stuff. They're a young team, and you know the the game got a, the, the game got away from the Rockets, and the Kings took advantage of it. Um, yeah, like the my main takeaway is that you know it's good that the Kings took care of business against one of the worst teams in the league, but you know. 
it should not have been it should not have been a close as close as it was going into the fourth like you know they they just the kings have a way of making other teams feel good about themselves you know <laughs> like and the rockets say what you want about them they're bad like it, it was evident this game they got talent they got a bunch they got a bunch of guys who like don't really know what they're doing but you know they they will they will put put the ball in the bucket they will play fast they will play with reckless abandon and you know on a certain night they can they can catch you they can you know they can take you to the woodshed like you you fuck around with this team you going to find out like one once every now and then and luckily it wasn't this game but the kings did fuck around a little too much for my liking just again the defense just isn't there and sometimes like you know the the droughts that the kings go on where they just miss like a few shots it can really loom large when their defense is just so poor like when they miss a shot it could be a good shot it could be a bad shot it the problem is it leads to easy offense on the other end and they they somehow need to clean that up i don't know if it's like on the roster or they have to make a trade it, they just need to be able to figure that part out because their offense it will go it's it simply will go on droughts and it is what it is because they rely so much on the three like they shot 48 threes this game holy shit jesus christ i didn't realize they shot that many holy fuck yeah they shot 48 threes this game and you know they made 19 so 30 you know, just under 40 percent, 39.6 but you don't want to end up relying on this too much. It's a recipe for disaster. I'll, I'll just say, at some like you know, they, it's not like they missed a ton of shots when the when the Rockets came went on a run. It was only like a few, and then like you know the 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 next shot like looms larger than the next, or the, than the one before it. I mean, and you know the pressure starts to mount on them, and like you know against a. You know, let's just say even a decent team. Hell, weirdly enough, the Kings have done it against decent teams, but they're able to kind of out-duel. My point is, it tends to turn into a crapshoot in the fourth, and you, you just want to minimize some of that, some of those chances. Because as I mentioned, like in the Lakers game and, and even the Jazz games, like it's great that De'Aaron Fox can go on absolute tears in the fourth. You don't want to rely on that and honestly just wear him out because you want to be able to do the work beforehand, establish that kind of just like get a big enough lead so you don't have to fight and scratch and claw to finish games you you know you, you give your players a little bit of a rest and you take it a little you're able to take it a little easy because right now the way they're doing it they're, they definitely do play with fire a little too much and it's too much at some point you know you're gonna have to look into this defense and just say you know if we just play better a little bit on this end like just put 10 percent just play 10% better. I don't I don't know how you measure that, but let's say you play 10% better. You're probably going to win a lot more games because the offense is probably still going to be there. Their offense is good, is fine. Like again, these extended droughts are these droughts are going to happen. You're not going to make every single shot. And you know, you just hope that when you you miss these shots, it doesn't come back to haunt you like with a run on the other end and you know, again, against the Rockets, it's not as big of a deal. But you know, they pulled it out Credit to them. And yeah, um, Trey Lyles really deserved the game ball for this one. He did, he got the defensive player of the chain for this one, and it was damn well deserved. All right, let's move over to just talking to some about some of the players. I'm just going to go down the list of ESPN. So, all right, let's start with Sabonis. A Sabonis game. 
<laughs> what else can you say? 25 points, 12 rebounds, nine assists again. He always kind of, you know, it's always so hard for him to get that 10th assist, but another sub bonus as game. And yeah, like, you know, hubble the offense, you know, just does, he just come, he comes in, puts in his hard hat and just goes to work every single night, nine of 12. And the only th the three shots he missed were like easy bunnies that he just kind of just randomly missed them. Yeah, the Rockets defense really didn't have anyone for him. Like, they don't really have a bruiser out there. I mean, they weren't willing to put in Boban. <laughs> I, forgot, I forgot that Boban was on this roster. And, you know, Boban, I, I don't know if he could keep up with Sabonis on the perimeter. Like, I don't know if you want to put play him out there. But, yeah, they just this is a bunch of young, young guys who just kind of got moved around by Sabonis. And, yeah, again, like, the, few sh the three shots that Sabonis missed were, like, bunnies. And uh, so... You know, it, it was it was a very, very good game from him. Um, Harrison, he kind of carried over his three-point shooting, even though he was three for seven. It doesn't didn't feel like that. It, feel, it felt like he was five for six, honestly. And, you know, he just kind of did his thing. He, he I thought he did well on defense against, um, like, Eric Gordon and, like, Jalen Green. I thought he was fine enough for the most part. You know, nothing really stands out about him, but, like, you know, 16 points, only two rebounds. No. That's a, that's going to be a bit of a problem. Like Mike Brown criticized Keegan Murray for his zero rebound game. And Harrison's rebounding hasn't been impressive either. And I like to see him kind of fight more on that end. And, you know, granted, a lot, there were a lot of long rebounds that just happened to kind of fall back in the Rockets' hands. But, you know, like, get, get, get down there. Get, get a little dirty down there. Uh, Keegan, I thought, had a very good game, even though he did not shoot well. Five for 14. Although I don't think any of the shots he took was bad. I think there was one three where it was clearly a contested three that he just took. Um, but other than that, like overall, really good game. You know, 16 points, six rebounds. Not too bad at all. There was a play that uh, <laughs> pissed pissed Mike Brown the hell off. It was, in the, it was in the fourth quarter. Oh, no, it was in the first quarter. It was in the first quarter. He went for a steal at half court. It wasn't a terrible gamble. Like, he still kind of got back in position to defend, but he didn't get the steal, and it did lead to um, a, 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 wait, a Kenyon Martin Jr. We'll get to him later. It did lead to a Kenyon Martin dunk, although I don't think it was directly related to him, but Mike Brown didn't see it that way. Mike Brown was hot. And, you know, Mike Brown has been has been a lot, has been really tough on Keegan lately, and I, you can't tell how Ke Keegan is feeling just because he never emotes at all so you know but hopefully he's taking these lessons like to heart and not taking them personally like because it's not personal like mike brown is trying to teach him how to play nba basketball and kind of just helping him figure out like you know just like when to gamble when not to gamble and just like you gotta get a he's gotta get a better feel for that i don't feel he's gotten really a pick six yet so far and at a certain point like he probably will get them once he kind of figures out the timing of the situation and the situations that he can go for these things. But yeah, Mike Brown was hot on him. And, you know, he, he he's trying to teach him. And it, it's I think it's only going to be a matter of time before he really gets a, a great feel for it. Um, De'Aaron Fox, um, I thought he was I thought he was fine this game for the most part. He he didn't impose his will for the most part uh, in the first three quarters. And the, in the fourth quarter, he had nine points and I think nine points and six assists. So that was a very impressive like fourth quarter performance. Like along him when Trey Lyles basically ran that entire fourth quarter, and you know, I, I mean I don't I don't have any complaints about him. Like he he really was kind of he was lead, he was leading this team like in the fourth quarter, and you know he 
maybe you want more scoring from, but like in this case where Trey Lyles is, you know, going off, like he knows that he can step, he can take a step back and contribute in other ways. As I mentioned, nine points and six assists in the fourth alone. So like, you know, it's good to see him be able to kind of like almost find a way to contribute, you know, instead of, you know, just being one dimensional, but I'm not, I mean, I've never thought he was one dimensional, but he's really kind of, he, there's a lot of little things he does that don't get appreciated as much. And this is one of those games where like, you don't notice him as much, <coughs> but he definitely did, but he definitely did do his job. So yeah, good on De'Aaron Fox. Only 32 minutes, which, uh, which was interesting. Um, not a lot. Yeah. Not a lot of minutes. I mean, Cause like Sabonis played 38 and Fox only played 32. Cause like Sabonis, I think played the entire third quarter. And, and like he came back pretty early, like I think on the nine minute mark in the fourth quarter. So that's why so many minutes. Fox, um, yeah, just not a lot of minutes, but contributed well, <laughs> contributed very well in his limited minutes. Terrence Davis um, filled in. Uh, he started in place of Kevin Herter. I thought he played well, even though he was only two for seven. Like defensively, he got beat a, beat like a few times, but that that's just how it is in the NBA. And you know, even though he was two for seven, I thought he, I thought he was shooting. I thought he shot well. He missed some easy ones, and all his field goals were threes. I just realized, <laughs> but I thought all his shots were fine for the most part. They're TD shots, for better or for worse, and like they're all makeable. I thought he was fine, and you know, but he's a guy. I feel like unfortunately, it's really hard for him to come off the bench just because he's definitely a rhythm player, and I felt he got a pretty good rhythm this game, and. Like it in the case in the case where like a Kevin Herter is just like you know almost not out of nowhere but like in the case where like Kevin Herter is out he can step in and contribute a decent contribute you know just enough to kind of fill that void and you know I, I you know I, I didn't mind his minutes at all I thought he actually played well you know just take take the opportunity take the opportunity opportunities that that you get and you know make the most out of them and he did. Uh, aforementioned Trey Lyles, six for eight, like for this game, 20 points, six, re- no, seven rebounds, uh, seven rebounds. Cause he had one offensive rebound. He was just, he was just dynamic this game. Like just he, the, like with Mike Brown emphasizing so much about just like coming in and just rebounding and playing good defense. Trey Lyles did that this game. Like, you know, beyond just, beyond just like all the scoring, like he was, I thought he was good on defense. He played with good energy. He had two blocks and just overall, he's a guy that just has great feel. And, you know, he, you know, he might not like, you know, have like a ceiling that he, he kind of is what he is for the most part, but what he is, is a very smart veteran who knows how to fit in, who knows how to play NBA basketball. And yeah, he makes the most out of his minutes. And right now he's he's on a he's on a really good run in terms of just being that kind of you know essentially their second best big right now honestly like you know Metsu what wasn't as great this game but like you, you know Trey Lowes has been clearly the, their most reliable player off the bench outside of like Malik and Davion like they're only kind of center size guy like they're only like big forward that they can truly rely on off the bench. And yeah, he's been just doing a great job. And his he gets his first defensive player of the game chain. Good for him. And yeah, just overall, like he was he was the man of the hour uh, for this game. Uh, Chemezi Metsu not as great of a game as he had last game. He he was still he was still really good, but he, he did get called for quite a few cheap fouls. 
Um, and that kind of seemed to kind of get it, you know, get get under his skin a little bit. But overall, I thought he was still fine. And yeah, good good on him for just again just coming in and just contributing and just finding a way to do stuff, make stuff happen. Casey Alpala, I, I thought he was fine for the most part on defense this game. He did end up falling a lot and unfortunately did foul a lot, although he only ended up with two two fouls, but he just randomly got called for cheap foul, and it was pretty annoying to watch. Did hit a three this game, but you know, he any kind of scoring you get from him is, is a bonus. He plays good defense. And you know, hopefully at some point, like they somehow the Kings somehow find a way to just play better team defense. Because I think individually they're for the most part fine, but it, it, they need to look into what's causing like their team miscommunications. Um Davion kind of just came in and the, the defense definitely picked up when he was on the floor, like immediately picks up an picks up an offensive foul, I think, on Jabari Smith. And just like he like, even though he didn't score this game, like he always brings an impact. And honestly, like with De'Aaron just being very lackadaisical for much of the game, like he brings a certain level of intensity and a change of pace uh out for the Kings. <coughs> and yeah, like he's doing he's he's doing his job it might not it might not show on the box score but every time he's on the floor you feel him out there for sure uh malik Monk, i was surprised to actually look at his stat line and see him was three for 13 this game not very good um for 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 a game that you could clearly see like where you if you watch the game they, the both teams didn't play much of any defense both teams pretty shot pretty poorly overall um but anyways, yeah, Malik Monk, three for 13, two for seven from three. So it looks like, so at least he hit a few threes. Still don't love a lot of threes he takes. He did attack the rim quite a bit, and I did like that. And I am just really surprised, like, he shot three for 13. But overall, I thought he was fine for the most part. Um, okay, let's uh, let's move over to the Rockets really quickly. Uh, let's start with Jabari Smith Jr., it's a bit of a rough watch from him. Like it, he's not very good right now at all. Like just, he just doesn't look confident out there. Like he's still, he, it's going to take a while for him to learn um, his offensive game in terms of, cause he's a good shooter. And, and, but right now he's not really, his teammates don't set him up for too many open shots and he can't really dribble and get to his spot yet. And right now I don't think he really has spots, honestly. So, it's going to be tough for him to kind of figure it out, but he, I think he I think he will be good um, go, going forward. It's going to be a rough year for him until they find like a, an adult point guard. Like Kevin Porter Jr. actually went out, and you know that probably could have helped helped um, him get on rhythm, but get on track. But you know they need someone to kind of just set him up because I think I think he can be really good at at, at some point. You know I think he can be. Like not not to say like Dirk or anything, but like in that form. And honestly, ha had the Kings been able to take him, like I would definitely would have taken him because the defensive stuff, like that, is something to to keep an eye on. Like he 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 has he projects to be a really good defender. And honestly, he kind of is the the archetype that the Kings need, like a like a a big a big four a big a big forward that can also like block shots and can you know play small ball five for stretches and. You know, I think I think he will figure it out. But right now, not very good, unfortunately, on offense and defense. He's got something, but it's it's got to be it's going to take a while. Um, who, a guy that has more or less figured out on offense, Alfred Shingun. 
I like, I love this guy. Now, the only thing is he does, he doesn't seem to be able to score all that well. He, like, that's all about Sabonis missing three shots and they were all bunnies. Alfred Shingun was five for nine, but it felt like he was three for 12. Like, because he missed so many bunnies, like, particularly against Sabonis. He doesn't have the strength to really deal with Sabonis yet. You know, he doesn't really have a jump shot to really, you know, create separation with. So he's just kind of trying to essentially trying to go through Sabonis, which isn't going to work for him. But everything else about him, he is terrific. Like, he is, he, he plays like Sabonis, really. He's going to be the next Sabonis or, you know, Jokic if, if you want to go that far. He's got great feel. He, He's definitely like he literally does almost the exact same thing as Sabonis in terms of like being that high post hub where like you just run the offense through him. And, you know, it's going to take a little bit for him to kind of just gain a little bit of strength to be able to kind of play exactly like Sabonis, but he kind of just plays the exact same way. And, you know, he is kind of the adult in the room right now. He is kind of their pseudo high post point guard type like they run the offense through him he is looking to you know pass it to other guys and set up guys for shots and right now he it'll just take it'll just take some time but i I really like shingu um eric gordon don't know why he's still on this team he's still really good by the way like he is he is a guy that knows how to play basketball and you know he's gonna fit right into wherever if he ever does get traded if a contender ever decides to trade for him I think he can be the missing puzzle piece for a team. I don't know what that team is. Honestly, any of the contenders, I think he can fit right in on. Like, he can fit in on the Suns. He can, you know, if the Warriors can make it happen, like, he he could fit on the Warriors. He'd be a terrific fit on the Warriors, actually. Um, You know, the Celtics, I don't think they need another guy like Gordon, but why not? Um, Like, maybe even Denver. Could Denver work? Denver would be interesting. Uh, Memphis, they might need someone better than Eric Gordon, but like somebody needs to trade for Eric Gordon. He is wasting away right now. Like he, he's still really good. Um, uh, Kevin Porter Jr. As I mentioned, um, I don't have that many. I don't have any notes on him, but yeah, he was injured um, ten minutes into the game in the first quarter, or maybe in the second quarter. Um, but yeah, so I think some sort of foot injury. Hopefully, hopefully he's okay. I don't love his game by by any means, but like you never want to see a young guy. Um, young guy get hurt and you know i think the game could have been could have looked a lot different if he was if he was in because he's he's their primary point guard which is honestly really weird but you know like he's he's getting better at it and yeah he could have probably changed the game a little bit um jalen green look he's got a lot of potential uh nine for 25 three for 12 from three he's got a lot of potential but it it's going to take a it's going to take maybe another year or two because right now as i see it the way he plays he he is definitely incredibly talented but he is incredibly undisciplined um forces a lot of shots and and you know unfortunately plays out of control a lot he's going to need to just take a step back and just slow down a little bit get under get a little bit more under control get a little bit better with starts and stops there's a lot of potential with him but right now, like, he's basically given the neon green light to essentially take whatever the hell he, like, shoot whatever the hell shot he wants. And, you know, may- maybe he figures it out. But right now, like, with the- like he's playing without structure. And I-, I think he's a guy that can definitely use a lot of structure to just, like, you know, like, use more guidance in, like, how to win winning, how to play winning basketball. Because right now, he's just kind of a guy that, 
you know, is on a bad team and can take whatever the hell shot he wants. There's no accountability, or at least I don't think there's any accountability. And, you know, that could lead him down a bad path. Hopefully, like, at, at a certain point, like, he, he someone gets in his ear and just teaches him, like, this is these are kind of the things you need to get better at. And he could, and he has the tools to be a really good player. And he just, he just needs, like, to put it together. And right now, he's a bit out of control, a little, just a little bit wild. And, you know, I hope he does figure it out, which is kind of a, kind of a phrase I'm going to use a lot for with the Rockets. Um, Okay, Kenya Morton Jr. He is the de- he is going to be a problem against the Kings in the next game because this this man nine for thirteen, uh, three for seven from three and for twenty one points. He is what I like to say about like what Jonathan Kaminga was last year, where for the Warriors against the Kings, where he simply plays a role, and the Kings for whatever reason when a guy just simply plays his role, rolls to the basket, pops for three doesn't try to do too much they get they just get buckets on the kings and this was kind of like a weird flashback in in that kj martin or kenya martin jr simply just cut to the rim got got dunks he got you know there was penetration uh the the weak side the the weak side baseline like the the guy on that side loses his man or loses kenya martin jr he cuts in right for a dunk he simply just played his role and got 21 points on the kings I, I do really like the athleticism. I really like kind of the aggressiveness aggressiveness he plays with. And uh, just to kind of add salt to the wound, he was actually drafted by the Kings, but I think they sold him for cash, if I remember right. He, he, he's a good player, although, like, I don't know about the shooting. He did shoot three for seven from three. But, like, this is a guy that's kind of like a mini version of, like, Brandon Clark is kind of how I like to describe. Just a guy who plays hard as hell, kind of has a good feel on where to be and just makes the right cuts and right reads and just, you know, can produce on the court. And especially against, a, 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 you know, an, an, unfortunately an undisciplined team defense, he he carved them up for stretches. Um, look, okay, last guy I want to talk about, Garrison Matthews. There's just something about him. I don't, I don't know what it is. He never missed. It just feels like he never misses against the Kings, although he had a huge miss, like, in that fourth quarter that could have cut, that could have, like, halt to the Kings um, run, but he just makes threes against the Kings. And, and he also does a lot of the annoying stuff, like, you know, draws offensive fouls, flops, flops quite a bit. He he's one of those guys that just plays hard and just, you know, is, is a thorn on the Kings side. And in this game, he definitely was, although, you know, luckily the Kings were able to kind of outlast it. I'll just say, or survive against it. Okay. Okay, that's all I have for this game. Um, you know, the, the Kings, you know, they took care of business. You know, it shouldn't have been as hard as it was, but hey, a win's a win. And, you know, hopefully they just come back with just um, the same kind of energy um, the next game. And don't and it's, it'll be interesting to see if the Rockets make any sort of adjustment. And it'll be interesting to see how the Kings respond to that adjustment. Theoretically, the Kings should come back out and do essentially the same thing and hopefully not like make it a close game and play the cardiac Kings game. But you know, you never know. And you know, we'll see what happens in the next game. Hopefully, it's hopefully it's another win and hopefully they just take care of business. But again, the Kings have not earned our they have not earned the benefit of the doubt on these types of games where you're going up against one of the worst teams in the league. But it's a talented team. It's a bold team. It's a young team that's, 
you know, that can catch a that can catch a team at any point. So, you know, they got to come out strong the next game, and hopefully, like you know, we get we get back healthy again. Hopefully, we get Kevin Herter back, and you know, we'll see we'll see where it take where it takes us at that point. Okay, uh, one more thing uh, before I go. Uh, so, <laughs> for whatever reason, this has got become I think a recurring segment for. I think this is only the second. It's either the second or the third episode, so maybe it's not a recurring uh, segment. But I do want to talk about wrestling again because <laughs> the news doesn't stop. Uh, so last time I talked about it um, was um, Vince McMahon. He re- he had returned to WWE, and like you know, like we'll see what happens with creative and like how maybe the TV product doesn't change, and you just hope for the best. Well, somehow there was another story that was somehow bigger than that, and it was the well at the time. So it was so it was last night. So last night, um, the on the tenth, it was it was reported by uh, quite a few websites. Although you know the the validity and the credibility of a lot of these websites, I'm not sure of. I think BodySlam.net was one of the ones. I, I don't remember, but basically. Um, it was reported by some of these sources that uh, WWE had been sold to the Saudi investment fund. I forgot the exact name of it, but basically they got sold to the Saudis. Now, I was somewhat skeptical of it because part of it, was, well, I was just like, I really? That, 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 that can't happen, right? I mean, it, it can, but that, then I decided to specifically look at someone like Sean Ross Sapp. Sean Ross Sapp is probably the best, uh, the one, well, the one I go to the most uh, for like legit wrestling news or like to, for, to confirm the validity of like certain news. And he was one of the ones that was saying like, I've not heard anyone confirm this yet, or I don't, I cannot confirm this yet. So I was kind of waiting on it. And then, you know, lo and behold this morning, like wrestling observer went into it. It's like, they've talked about it, but it's nothing official. There's nothing agreed in principle. It was, it was just a, it was honestly just a bad report, essentially. And yeah, so let's just quickly talk about just the weirdness that is the, the sale right now. Um, like from what I, from what I've kind of just read and just heard from podcasts so far, this was kind of a move to kind of almost test out the waters of how the, what the public reaction would be if the uh, WWE was sold to the Saudi government or the, to, to the Saudis. And the overall, the response well, the well, the response from social media mostly negative because most of the internet does not really approve of the Saudis. <laughs> like, let's be honest. Like, you know, you have the blood money stuff. They, the Saudi Arabia Arabia shows are terrible, and you know the the, the moral. It's a lot of the moral com- compass stuff. The really bad, you know, the murder of Khashoggi and just their, you know, let's just say bad record <laughs> with uh, women's rights and all that stuff. They're not popular on, like, at least my side of the, of the internet. Um, so, you know, a lot of people do not approve of this. But hey, shareholders, the shareholder, the share prices, I think, went up, which means shareholders don't give a shit <laughs> because if WWE gets sold to the Saudis, they're gonna get a lot of money. So, anyways, I guess, like, I guess what I want to talk about is just, I guess, the possibility of them being able to sold to the Saudis. Yeah, I'd be very disappointed if that happens just because, you know, the something that I've loved since growing up now is being sold off to, again, a morally questionable group. 
and you know you, you don't know what they're gonna do with the product like there is a chance like the product doesn't change at all and you know whatever but i just be overall disappointed that yeah like my, one of my favorite things go, growing up is now being sold to the saudis and you know it, it's it's just a, it's just a weird feeling like i, I don't know like I, I don't know if it's kind of dumb to say to like say the moral stuff is kind of what I'm most bothered by. That would just probably which probably is the is the reason. It, but overall, like you hope that it you know when the when WWE does get eventually sold, we'll, we'll see. But let's just say if it does get sold, I just hope there's not much change to the product because the product is on a good track to you know to to be to be be really good. And to throw a wrench that you know is, that is Vince McMahon, you never know if he's gonna just go into go back into bad habits or go or go back to old habits, which is pretty much what he's done for pretty much his entire career. So there's no reason for him not to. Um, just it, it, it's disappointing because I thought the company was heading in a pretty good direction. Now they they weren't perfect by any means, but storylines made sense. The, the vibe, the morale backstage was getting better. You know, just like and honestly, like they were they were lapping AEW because AEW had, you know, run into, you know, the all out brawl, the all the dumb bullshit. And honestly, and also, also just tonight, uh, Mercedes Monet was not on Dynamite, which I don't even know whether to blame them for that. They never really said like Sasha Banks was was going to be the mystery tag team partner. There was one very big thing where I think uh, Britt Baker said said she was the boss or the CEO. Which, yeah, that wasn't that was a really dumb tease. Then like if if she isn't coming to the company, so they never said it was going to be anyone big. They just said mystery tag team partner, and everyone's said like oh it's gonna be mercedes monet it's gonna be a state because they need another star to come in which by the way i i disagree with that statement i don't think they need stars to come in they need to be able to they need to know what to do to with the toys that they have because like the way that tony khan is like running the women's division he's he's not building up like any stars really i mean like is it jamie hater i think yeah jamie Hayter's good like Britt baker's good but he hasn't like dedicated the time to build up the women's division and you know if you just keep like getting these like big stars and you know supplant like injecting all these new wrestlers in there i just that's you don't need to do that you need to actually like make like make do with what you got right now because you actually have a lot of talent i thought or like AEW has a lot of women's talent and they need to figure out what to do with that shit anyway sorry for to go off on that tangent but like AEW had been faltering a, a, like a teeny bit. It wasn't as big of a deal, but WWE had been more or less just slowly surging. And honestly, looking like it, they weren't going to slow down anytime soon, like with WrestleMania coming up and Royal Rumble coming up, your boy's probably going to have to pay for a Peacock membership to watch it. Um, so, you know, like I, I love the Royal Rumble, even though like last year's was, was like as meh as it could get. I'm always going to be excited for the Royal Rumble, man. You know, like the momentum was on their side, everything, and then Vince comes back, and now you just have a lot of uncertainty as a fan. You know, hopefully things just figure themselves out. I just hope, I really hope Vince doesn't take back creative because we've we have enough evidence to see he's he's suffering from some sort of mental illness to the point where he is not mentally fit to actually run creative. He has shit ideas, he can't remember anything, and he insists on taking over everything. 
or like control controlling everything, which he can't do anymore. He he doesn't have the mental capacity to do anymore. So, you know, he's never he's never gonna admit it. it. It is what it is, and you just hope like things just figure themselves out and just. They keep this up, upward trajectory. Stay out of creative. Run the business side if you want. If you want to run the company into the ground, that's his right. Whatever. Like, whatever happens on, like, the business end, I honestly couldn't care less all that much. The share, like, the shareholder prices, all that, like, mumbo jumbo. Who I don't give a shit about any of that. Just make sure it's a decent enough product so at least I can enjoy watching it and listening to podcasts talk positively, posit- positively about it because... Like, I, I want some positivity in my life. It's not fun shitting on things and just being negative all the time. So, anyways, that's kind of my thoughts on the Saudi stuff, the Vince McMahon stuff. Wrestling news, wrestling news just keeps coming. It's, 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 it's only like, it's only 11 days in the new year and it's just bombshell after bombshell. So, I, I, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna sit back and just watch the, watch the show, or watch the show on the TV, and watch the show behind the scenes because it is fascinating. And with just talk, with just the talk about how a lot of this is very similar to Succession. Like I watched, I watched the Russell Talk podcast, and Ollie Davis always brings it up. This is like almost word for word the story, the uh, plot line to Succession. Maybe it's time for me to watch that show. I I try to. I just I everyone's everyone's an asshole. Like who am I supposed to root for? It, what was my issue? Maybe in like a few more episodes and I'll finally latch on to somebody. But yeah, maybe it is time to just watch that show. Okay. Uh, anyways, uh, thank you guys for listening to this episode. Uh, Fong will be back, uh, or he he will be gone for the next few episodes. Uh, he will be back soon. So if you listen to this uh, looking for him, yeah, sorry. It's going to be me for the next few episodes. Um, So, yeah. Anyways, uh, thank you guys for listening. Uh, I'll catch you guys back on the next one after the second Rockets game.